Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With the New York Giants preview in the can, our journey to the end of the offseason has begun. Now we move on to the second half of our same place opponents as we zero in on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What went wrong in 2017 and what have they done to avoid it? Ren Dax from the Pewtercast joins us on the same place opponent preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Oh, yes, indeed. The journey to the end of the offseason has begun. And with this show, we are one step closer to training camp and the preseason and, of course, the 2018 regular season. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for part two of our Same Place Opponent previews of the Chicago Bears review. This time, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Ren Daxed from the Pewtercast podcast will be joining us. Unfortunately, Brent Allen had uh, family obligations because we all want to be good dads. Uh, couldn't be, couldn't join us, but uh, we look forward to having him on with us uh, when the Bears and the Bucks meet up in week four uh, of this year. So um, had a really great talk uh, with Ren. We talked on Thursday night. Uh, it's Sunday afternoon, and I, I planned on releasing the show yesterday, but I caught a nasty uh, stomach bug on Friday night and was basically out of commission all night Friday, all day yesterday. So uh, it just, uh, I did not, <laughs> I didn't even have the energy to sit at the computer and do this for 10 minutes or whatever it's going to be uh, to do the beginning and the end uh, for the uh, beginning and ending segments and, and whatnot. I just didn't want to move off the couch at all uh, yesterday, but feeling much better today. Obviously here we are. And um, you know, it was, it was an interesting uh, conversation that I had with Ren um, because, because of when we played Tampa Bay, uh, last year and the fact that because of hurricane Irma, it was only their first game of the year when we played them week two last year, all of, there was no indication that Tampa Bay wasn't going to be the team that everyone thought they were going to be in 2017. So it was still almost like, still like the, the season preview again, cause they hadn't played a game yet. Uh, basically, all we had to talk about going into that was the preseason and hard knocks and everything going into game number two. And, and for them, game number one, they hadn't played meaningful football in, in almost a month. And there was some, you know, some shakiness after the way the Bears played against the Falcons and the long layoff for Tampa Bay, whether or not the Bucks would be rusty going into the game and so on and so forth. But obviously that didn't turn out to be the case and that game between the bears and the bucks gave no indication that anything was going to go wrong for tampa bay um you know the bears being the team everyone thought they were going to be going into it and then the buccaneers being that playoff team that took advantage of chicago's mistakes that's what you're supposed to do when you're playing against an inferior opponent you take advantage of their mistakes and hurt them with them and that's how that game went 
Um, you know, even Ren admits there wasn't a whole lot that Tampa Bay did that they did on their own. Chicago, for the most part, lost it more than Tampa Bay won it. But in the, with the way that that game played out, Tampa Bay did exactly what they were supposed to do in order to win. Um, and, and you go because it's like straight up head to head football. It was pretty much an even matchup, which might have been an indication as to how the season might turn out. But as far as you know, who was taking advantage of whose mistakes? Tampa Bay pretty much played a flawless football game, and the Bears, on the other hand, you know, with Glennon and his pick six and his fumbles and Tariq Cohen that that punt return and everything, Tampa Bay pounced on every single one, and that's where you get a twenty-nine to seven final score. As a matter of fact, they were playing, they were pitching a shutout with well into the fourth quarter of that game as well. So, but it's like from that point in the season, there was no indication. Like I wonder how different the conversation would have been. If we had talked around, say, week nine or week 10, when they were on a four game losing streak and things like that to talk about what's been going wrong and, you know, in this season and everything. Instead, we talked to them literally at the start of their season where there was nothing but, you know, sunshine and rainbows and optimism ahead. So, you know, here we are and we have this conversation about how things went sideways for Tampa Bay and 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 everything that they did to improve that to make sure that history doesn't repeat itself in 2018 so uh we had a really great talk i hope you guys are comfortable it was about an hour and 20 minutes uh between ren and i talking about the the buccaneers and uh, we sprinkled some bears talk in there as well because this is a bear show but uh you know really great talk look forward to having him and brent back on uh week four when we preview the the matchup between the bears and the bucks at soldier field this time around so um anyway before we get to that got a couple of quick uh, news and notes before we go into that. Um, don't know if you guys heard, um, this was the most exciting news that I heard uh, during the week, was that uh, the Bears' preseason broadcasts, they're switching up the announce team uh, this year. So Sam Rosen, the uh, Walking Dead announcer for Fox, is uh, no longer going to be calling games for the Bears this year. Um, after nine seasons, I hadn't realized it'd been that long, but Sam Rosen has been the voice of the bears in the preseason for the last nine years going forward. It's going to be Adam Amin from ESPN. You can see him on college football Saturdays. He's, he's, uh, one of their, their play-by-play announcers there. And then, uh, Kyle Brandt of the NFL network is going to be the color guy. So no more Sam Rosen and Jim Miller, Adam Amin, Kyle Brandt will be calling the games. Uh, obviously won't be calling number one because that's the the Hall of Fame game. That's a national TV game. That'll be the NBC crew, Al Michaels and uh, Chris Collinsworth, the windbag that guy can be sometimes. And uh, the final game, however, is where it could get interesting because uh, reading from the article says the Bears are reportedly trying to shake things up for the typically meaningless parental preseason game, focusing the broadcast more on previewing the final roster and regular season in addition to play-by-play. And then the quote from uh, the Bears Senior Vice President of Marketing and Communications, uh, Scott uh, Hagel says, we've paid attention to what ESPN has done with its national championships game and its, and its coaching tables on ESPN too. So you're getting a different experience with guys pointing things out and telling stories. So I guess we're going to get a very different uh, look and feel and perspective on that fifth game against Buffalo at the end of the preseason. And uh, Amin and Kyle Brandt will be calling uh, games two, three, and four between the Bengals, the Broncos, and the Chiefs. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see how that all shakes out. But uh, to have someone who's under a hundred uh, calling the games uh, for the Bears might add a little uh, life and excitement 
uh, to the matchups. I mean, Sam Rose is a longtime pro, and I wish I could get, have that guy's career. When I was in college, I did the play-by-play for Western Illinois. Some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. I really wish I could have been able to do that uh, for my living. But, uh, you know, so I'm hating on him. But it's like uh, never really been a big fan uh, of Sam Rosen. And now we get to move on from him. So that's cool. Um, and speaking of exciting predictions and, and whatnot, Anthony Miller, our outspoken second round pick out of uh, Memphis, has uh, called his shot for 2018. Uh, VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Apparently not impressed with the prediction numbers that Matt Berry, the fantasy football guy from ESPN, uh, tossed out there. Something like 50 catches, maybe 600 yards, something like that. But only four touchdowns to immediately Anthony Miller scoffed at that like four. He said, that's like two games for me. I think I'm going to score eight this year. So Anthony Miller coming out saying as a number two, number three option uh, and in this brand new Matt Nagy offense with the Bears this year. He's predicting he will score eight touchdowns as a rookie for the Chicago Bears this year. And uh, I'm not mad at it. You know, I'm not mad, especially since if you read the, the, the article, you read his quote, you read what he says. It's not really so much coming off in an arrogant way as more a confident way, because there's a huge difference between the two. There's a huge difference between confidence and arrogance. And, you know, confidence is just belief in your ability and arrogance, I you know, in my definition of is is trying to make everyone else believe in it, you know, or to force force that on every on other on other people. That's arrogance, uh, in my opinion. His confidence is more like nah, four and four doesn't sound right. Four doesn't sound like enough. Eight sounds better to me. Eight sounds eight sounds right. I'm gonna score eight this year, not four, but eight. So uh, I like the way that he put it. I love his confidence. And I hope he can get to work and make it happen, dude, because we could usually, we could definitely use, you know, if he's scoring eight touchdowns, imagine what Robinson and Trey Burton and uh, uh, everyone else are doing on the offensive side uh, of the ball. So, uh, you know, I don't think, how many touchdowns did Trusky throw for? Did he even throw eight touchdowns last year? I wonder. Hmm, I have to look that up. But, uh, you know. If you could, if you can, if you can outdo the previous season's total with one guy, I think we're going to be on the right track uh, with the offense. So kudos to Anthony Miller for putting it out there, and more importantly, putting it out there the way he did, or at least the way that I read it, the way that I saw it. It sounded more like confidence as opposed to, to you know, to blind rookie arrogance. You know, I, I really think that he believes he's got eight touchdowns in him this year. So uh, hopefully he's right, and uh, that is something that we'll be able to watch unfold as 2018. Uh, progresses and then finally a very interesting story that came out this week um our backup uh guard 
Earl Watford is already looking towards the future and decided that uh, when his playing days are over, Earl Watford is going to be in the UFC. Maybe not specifically, but he says he wants to train for MMA after his career is over. He's 27 now, uh, figures that he'll still have a handful of years left playing football, but he's already talking about what he wants to do uh, going forward. Um, you know, he's a big MMA fan as a lot of us are. I'm a huge MMA fan. And, uh, you know, he said that, uh, as soon as the league tosses me aside, I'm dropping all the weight and training for a year. And, uh, he said, uh, that, uh, he'll be a, uh, he's going to get into the, into the octagon and make a run for it. So something to, uh, look at, uh, once Earl Watford's career is over, I mean, that, that would be interesting to see how it would, uh, how it would turn out for him. I mean, most offensive linemen are physical specimens to begin with just because they're gigantic human beings. But, um, you know, unfortunately for a lot of those guys, the heavyweight cutoff is 265 pounds, and so they got to get underneath that. Can he uh, get underneath the 265 and, and be healthy at the same time? So some of those dudes are just naturally bigger, and, you know, trying to get down to 265, they have to drain their body of all the moisture in it and be practically dead when they might weigh in uh and everything and then spend the next 24 hours or so before the fight uh rehydrating themselves and getting back up to a normal weight i mean i've heard of some fighters that number one i don't know why they're fighting in a particular weight class but i remember hearing once that uh when george st pierre was the welterweight champion he fought at 170 pounds he would cut weight and he would make weight and then rehydrate himself to the time that he's walking into the octagon 24 to 30 hours you know whatever it was from the from the weigh-ins to the to fight time he could be anywhere from 15 to 20 pounds heavier than he was at weigh-in and that's his normal he would walk into a fight where he weighed in 24 hours before at 170 pounds he'd be 192 when he's fighting and that's just bananas to me like why aren't you fighting at 185 you only got to drop seven pounds to make that as opposed to having to drop 22 pounds to fight at 170 so it's a it's an odd world that those guys live in uh, and what they do. But for heavyweights, it's uh, it's much different. You know, some of them are just big guys and and don't have to worry about that kind of thing. And uh, you know, it's more about being in shape than it is about making weight because you got to be above 205 but under 265. That's a huge range. That's the biggest range in MMA. Um, you know, with other ones, you got to be. Some of them only have like a 10 pound uh, range from from one weight class to the next. For the for the heavyweights, it's a sixty pound. You got to be above, so you got to be two hundred six to two sixty five. That's the cutoff. You got a sixty pound range uh, to work within, and uh, some of us are just naturally uh, naturally large, and uh, it's going to be difficult. So we'll see if he can cut the weight and make it happen once his playing days are over. So anyway, that's going to do it for our uh, newts newts news and notes. Now we're going to move on to our conversation with Ren Dax from the Pewtercast podcast. Had a great time talking to him. So without further ado, myself and Ren Dax talking to 2018 Tampa Bay Bucks. And to help us finish off the second half of our same place opponent section of these opponent preview episode our friend well just our friend we don't have our other friend he 
had something he couldn't uh, be with us tonight. Brent Allen not here, but Rendax from the Pewtercast back on the Chicago Bears review to help us preview the 2018 Bucks. Ren, how we doing? I'm doing great, and thanks so much for uh, having us slash me back on. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brent, you know he he you know he, he's sort of the creator, and he sort of sets all these things up and. He's out being a good dad. There's some school stuff that he forgot about with his oldest son. And, uh, you know, had to bail at the last second, but he sends his apologies and wish he was here. And he's all, you know, excited to hear the show and that things. And hopefully I won't badmouth him and represent us well. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, like I told him uh, when he said that he wasn't going to be able to to make it, it's like, dude, it's no big deal. We can always talk again week four when the Bears and the Bucks get ready to meet up this year so you know it's not the end of the uh not the end of the road so definitely be glad to have him back in what late september early october whatever that is this year so uh you know no big deal so yeah we hate to we hate to lose him but we'll be happy to have him back when we meet up again in the fall so more time for me absolutely absolutely so we'll have some fun without him and uh, see if we can't uh, get through the hour without poking too many jokes at him so um (laughs) So this is an interesting conversation that I think, you know, we're going to have here considering the, the optimism, not only from you as Buck fans, but from me as well. I always like to see, you know, the worst, the first story and all that kind of stuff. Plus it seems to always happen in the NFC South. That's where you see it all the time, going from worst to first, the team that usually looks like they're going to emerge and, and jump ahead and things like that usually ends up doing it or pulling it off. And, and whatnot. And if there was a team poised to make a playoff run, they were the quote unquote sexy pick to at least make a wild card run last year. It was the Bucks, and it just didn't happen last year. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people were actually surprised by that. Yeah, including every single Bucks fan that walks the face of the earth. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we've been calling it like, when I say, we as sort of like the Buccaneers podcast world, even the beat writers, the local newspaper, the radio guys, we all drank the Kool-Aid last year. You know, we were on hard knocks. It seemed like Good Morning Football NFL Network was, you know, like throwing us a parade uh, like every day about here comes the Bucks, here comes the Bucks, here comes the Bucks, And uh, yeah, we thought we had it. You know, it was we looked at the at the schedule and you're like, I, like, I can't see any less than 10 wins. Like, I just can't. I don't understand. I'm like, we're going to the playoffs and. Yeah, uh, not even close. Like it was, it was a mess. It was, it was, it was extremely disappointing. So uh, everyone down here is very much hands offish. Uh, we think we had a good draft. We think we had a good off season. I think we had a great off season. I think we had a very good draft. But as far as you know, anointing, hey, wh- what are you guys going to do? Especially, uh, I know Bears fans haven't seen it, but our first three games and maybe even first five games are hard. Like we we play three division winners in the first three weeks we play the saints we play the eagles and we play the steelers right uh or i think it's like saints steelers eagles anyway uh everyone's very cop cautiously optimistic down here in tampa bay it's like yeah we we hope we're good because last year we felt really stupid you know talking about playoffs and some of us even going hey man super bowl it could happen mm-hmm. well i mean you never know in the nfc that's the thing that's the fun part about the nfc is that right. you know you can't just rubber stamp it like you can in the AFC? It's going to be, it's going to be uh, Pittsburgh, it's going to be New England, or it's going to be Denver. You know, or whoever the the hot team in the West is. You know, it's like the Colts are off the off the shelf now, and they're still trying to dig their way out of whatever it is going on with them. But you know, now it's narrow, and that's what makes it worse with the AFC. Now it's narrowed back down 
It's either Pittsburgh or it's New England. Pittsburgh and New England, those are the ones you pretty much will see every expert say, these are the teams that are going against whoever emerges in the NFC or who survives uh, right. the NFC. Last year it was the Eagles who were the worst to first story uh, last year because they were a same-place opponent for my fourth-place Bears last year. And they went ahead and, you know, went to the Super Bowl and, and pulled the damn thing off against uh, Brady and the Patriots who made it to the Super Bowl again. And, you know, I mean, how boring is that, dude, for the same team to keep going back to the Super Bowl over and over again? So, well, at least yeah. it's not the NBA. Jeez, oh, don't get me started. Honestly, don't get me started because I'm getting sick of these whole LeBron is the GOAT talk and, you know, all that stuff. It just makes me crazy. But, um, you know, like we, you, you start the year against the Bears because you had to postpone uh, week one against the Dolphins because of, was it Harvey? Mm-hmm. No. Irma? Irma, that's it. Irma. Harvey was in Harvey was Texas. Sorry. But um, had to postpone the game. So week one for you guys is actually week two against the Bears at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I when I think about that game, I think that it, it went the way that it was supposed to as far as the roles that each team was supposed to play going into the season. And that's, you know, the Bears were still kind of a, an inexperienced, kind of mistake-prone team couldn't get out of their own way type thing and the bucks as the potential playoff team when you are a potential playoff team then you take advantage of every mistake that your opponent gives you so it's like you know like straight up football you know remember the the way i remember the game was that you know the bucks were very stin- or the bears were stingy with the bucks i don't think maybe they had like one sustained drive throughout and then the rest of the game was the Bucks taking advantage of the mistakes that the Bears made, and they made plenty. Yeah, you know, that sounds about right. Uh, we were talking about earlier before the show and, and uh, how I was at the game, and I was there with uh, our, the missing co-host tonight, Brent Allen. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. But I, I did mention, you know, uh, that, uh, like, the Bears receivers did Mike Lennon no favors. Like, oh, no. I think there was, like, like six drops in that game. At least. Um, yeah. You know, when, they, when the Bears could have – uh, you know, made it interesting or get some momentum on their side. It just seemed like, you know, another drop. So, uh, but yeah, you also mentioned Mike Glennon, you know, his feet were in cement and he threw a pick six and yeah, there were turnovers and you're right. Uh, the bears handed that bucks game more than the Buccaneers won it. Right. And, and, and that's, that's how I felt about it. And it just seemed like, you know, here we go again with the bears doing this to themselves. I remember even like the opening drive for the bucks, we could have gone three and out, but there was a defensive holding penalty on third and long. And then we actually get you guys stopped. You punt to us, and Tariq Cohen tries to get cute and pick up the ball as it's rolling while he's standing in front of two defenders. And, of course, they yes. knock the ball out of his hands. You guys recover it. The next thing you know, Mike Evans is in the, touch, in the end zone for, for a touchdown. And before you even know it, the Bears went from getting the football back and you know trying to make a game of this thing early on and set the tone to the Buccaneers setting the tone by recovering a fumble and putting it in the end zone one or two plays later. I mean, it just – and the rest yeah. of the game pretty much went that way. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Agreed. It was fun to watch. For you, yeah, it had to be. <laughs> Must have been awesome <laughs> to me. For me and uh, for the rest of my bear brethren, it was the beginning of the end of, of Mike Glennon. Because as we were talking about before we started recording, it was it, he barely made it through the preseason. He was one-upped by Trubisky pretty much every single step of the way. I mean, every, I mean, the first preseason game, 
pretty much summed it up. Glennon comes out his second throw from scrimmage in the preseason game was a pick six for like 50 yards. It was ridiculous. Trubisky, on the other hand, leads back-to-back scoring drives when he comes in the game just before halftime. So it's like, oh, well, there we go. Just immediately right off the jump, Trubisky's the best quarterback on the roster. We're going to have a $16 million backup if this keeps up. And the rest of the preseason pretty much went that way. And, you know, mercifully, they, they let Glennon keep the job, and he only made it through four games before it had to be taken from him. Um, it was pretty embarrassing. But for you guys, um, you get the win over the Bears. Mm-hmm. You go at Minnesota. Well, a lot of people lost to Minnesota last year, so that's not that big a deal. Not the way we lost. Or at least, well, yeah. I mean, it's 34 <laughs> to 17. But, um, you know, it's just, I don't think a lot it of wasn't people. wasn't that close. Is that right? Oh, yeah. They beat the crap out of us. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, physically on the field, uh, Brent Grimes, who's probably our only decent corner or was our only decent corner last year was injured that game so we were starting a second year player who had never started or even uh actually played a defensive snap uh and the year before he was playing safety and special teams Mm -hmm. and then you know if you follow you know football closely enough you know that vernon hargraves the first round draft pick from two years ago uh had a really rough rookie year and he started off that you know uh last year not not as well and case keenan was it was you know, no pressure, and he had all day, and he was throwing darts, you know, 40 yards down the field, and Minnesota was doing whatever they wanted, and, and their defense was manhandling the front, you know, the, our, our offensive line, and James was getting smashed, and it was ugly. It was, we were not competitive at all hmm. in that game, even though we'd have a chance to get it, like, within a touchdown late, uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, it, it was it was bad. We went from okay, okay, look, you know, we played the Bears, and from Buccaneers fans, we did what we were supposed to do. Right. And then we went to play the Vikings, and like you said, at, we didn't, no one knew what the Vikings were going to be. Right. At the time. And uh, the, they just they just pushed us all over the field, and really, and, and uh, it was it was a sobering, to say the least, <laughs> <laughs> after watching what Minnesota did to the Buccaneers. So you, you come out the, the, the next week, you beat the Giants... Mm-hmm. Um, and then the following game was a Thursday night game against the uh, the Patriots, and right. I actually watched a good portion, especially most of the second half. I watched that game just because, you know, I guess I'm just going to have to come out and call myself a Patriot hater because I love to watch those guys lose, and it just seemed like Tampa Bay was poised to to do it. it the, the game was competitive, only 19 to 14 ended up being the uh, the final score, but I remember that game getting kind of tense there. Uh, in the fourth quarter, hoping the Bucks would turn this drive into a into the touchdown drive that would get them, and they just ended up coming up short. Yeah, you know, uh, as Buck fans, we blame Nick Folk for that. Oh, uh, that's r- how many did he miss? He at, missed, what, he missed, at three. Uh, I think he missed two and an extra point. Okay, uh, or maybe it was three. I've blocked that out. How many? <laughs> <laughs> like it was so bad, uh, he was gone very shortly after yeah. after that game, and. As you know, Bears fans probably know that uh, uh, he was replacing another terrible uh, decision at kicker, Roberto Aguayo. Well, he became our terrible actually... decision in the preseason, and yeah. Uh, yeah. he he missed the only <laughs> kick that he had uh, with the Bears, and he hooked he sh- it. Yeah, he hooked it wide. So it's like, yeah. well, all right. So yep, that, yep, that's yep, that's exactly what he did here too. <laughs> you, you, it's like it's like, it, are you trying to miss it that bad? Because that was. Like that wasn't even close. Uh, 
So anyway, that we blame Nick Foles for the Patriots' loss, but you're right. Um, the Buccaneers played everything in front of them. Tom Brady took what he could get. Uh, uh, you know, just long drives, and some of them times. You know, there was a couple. There was a timely interception um, from Justin Evans, our, our rookie safety. And then, yeah, we had it inside the red zone with a throw, and not like a Hail Mary, you know, a dart into the end zone, but uh, O.J. Howard and Jameis Winston were on the wrong page, and O.J. broke left, and Winston threw it right, and uh, it fell harmlessly incomplete to end the game. But, uh, yeah, like you said, it was competitive, but uh, once again, (laughs) a loss for my beloved Buccaneers. Right, so... And then uh, that it was the start of a five-game losing streak, actually, with the with the with the start with the Patriots. There, you lose the following week at Arizona, and then three losses that, in hindsight, don't look that bad because they were against playoff teams. But you lose at mm-hmm. Buffalo, home at Carolina, home against Carolina, and then uh, what was it at New Orleans? I'm sorry, at New Orleans, but that was a big loss, thirty to ten. What went wrong yeah. against the Saints there? Uh, this <laughs> Alvin Kamara okay. uh, went wrong against the Saints. Yeah. It was it was close. Uh, and right before halftime, you know, they threw him one of those little swing dump passes they tend to, and it was something that also happened in the Buffalo game. Like we had Buffalo beat. Uh, they came back and beat us late, and it was it was our own fault. It was it was basically we gave the game to Buffalo, and they took advantage of the opportunity. He's late and won. Um. Going into halftime, they throw out this little swing pass to Kamara, 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 and it looked like he was down, and the whole defense stopped, and everyone stopped on the play except for Kamara. I remember and that. I remember he that spun highlight. Out, he, he spun out of it and ran by three guys that were standing with their hands on their hips because he was supposed to be down, and he ran in for a touchdown with like 17 seconds left, and uh, after that, you know, um, it was over. Plus, this was the first week of Jameis's uh, shoulder injury, which he hurt in the, um, sorry, uh, uh, the Cardinals game. Okay. He actually had to come out of the Cardinals game. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick played the second half of that game, um, and it took about three games for the team to finally go, okay, Jameis, your shoulder's not getting any better. Yeah, you can play with it, but you can't make the throws you can't run the offense effectively enough, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're and they had to sit him down later on in the year. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it became really. Uh, you could really tell that Jameis's shoulder was bothering him. And plus, that's that's the game where uh, Jameis lost his cool and uh, poked Lattimore in the back of the head. And then Mike Evans came flying across the field to push Lattimore down, and there was like a little scuffle and. Mike Evans actually got suspended for a game. So right at that point of the year, like the wheels were sort of coming off uh, mm. offensively uh, for the Buccaneers. Which is ironic because you guys won the next two games after that fifth loss against the Saints. You beat the Jets and the Dolphins. The game that was Both. supposed to be week, week one, you finally you beat the Dolphins when you finally met up with them. Yeah, but there was a both started by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ah, okay. So Fitzpatrick came in. One two. He's won two of the five games last year, by the way. Oh wow! Uh, and he played those three games. He played the uh, Dolphins, Jets, and I'm I'm not sure. I, uh, Falcons. What? Falcons. He mm-hmm. played those, those three games and won two, and then and Jameis came back the week after that. So then Jameis comes back in December at Green Bay, and it takes overtime for Green Bay to beat you guys. Another um, collapse by the defense late. Uh, Hunley. Do a zone read option late in the game, and 
Uh, once again, the defenses came up short. Like, all he had to do was come up with a stop, and they couldn't do it. It was sort of a theme for the Buccaneers. Uh, late in the game, the defense needed a stop. Not only didn't they stop them, they let them score a touchdown. It was, uh, it was quite frustrating. Well, I imagine the last four games were were frustrating. You had three point losses, or three point three point losses in three of them, and then finally beat the Saints to close out the year. But right. lost twenty four to twenty one to Detroit, twenty four to twenty one to to Atlanta, and then at Carolina, twenty two to nineteen. Were the games as close as the scores would indicate, or did they get out big and you had to close late, or what happened with those three losses? No, they were close as, as they indicated. Uh, the first two games were uh, more of the same, where the Bucks had the Jameis Winston actually had the team and in the lead in the fourth quarter, and the defense couldn't hold it. Uh, the Carolina game is the one where we were we as a Buccaneers fan was frustrated about because it was fourth and six, uh, and we're beating Carolina. And it's it's well, they're on the six yard line, so it's like fourth down or somewhere around the eight, but it's fourth down. And this is the ball game, and then Chris Baker who's no longer with the team, jumps off sides uh, and turn it into a fourth and one. Um, and then they hike the ball to Cam Newton, who proceeds to immediately drop it. But then he's, as he's like reaching for it, falling forward, it bounces right into his hands. And then he just sort of falls forward into the end zone for the win. And uh, I guess you could say those two plays in a nutshell, kind of what happened to the Buccaneers in the second half of the season. Right, and then win what was seemingly a meaningless game, at least for New Orleans, anyway, to uh, to finish out the year nope. and, and get that fifth win, or what was New Orleans they were playing tr- for? Yeah, they, they were, were playing for a bye win. week, weren't they? Yeah, exactly. Okay. They're, they're playing to win the division and playing for a bye week. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, as Bucks fans, it ended on a high note. Um, Dirk Cutter actually called like an out pattern to Adam Humphreys uh, to get, you know, get a few more yards and get out of bounds uh, to kick the field goal to take the lead. But uh, Jameis saw uh, oh, Chris Godwin on the outside one-on-one, and uh, he threw it up, and Godwin ran underneath it and, you know, fell in the end zone with 17 seconds left, and we win. So uh, that's what we're all hanging our hat on this offseason. <laughs> Is ending on a high notes. Yeah. Ending on a high notes. You know, I mean, you know, the Bears haven't been tearing it up, obviously, the Bucks. And as fans, that's what you hang on to to get you through the offseason. Sure. Is that, you know, is that little glimpse of hope. It's like, okay, okay, that, you know, and, you know, that game did mean something to New Orleans, and and we won. And uh, so uh, let's take that good feeling and, uh, you know, see you in a couple months, boys. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Unfortunately, the Bears seem to uh, just disappear uh, in the uh, fourth quarter of the season, or at least they did uh, under John Fox. And and what made what made the season so tough for Bear fans last year was the inconsistency I and mean, horrible inconsistency uh, on offense, where there would be a game where they looked like world beaters, like in that win against Pittsburgh. We ran all over the Steelers. I mean, just up and down. Howard Howard had like 160 yards. Cohen had something like in the 80s or something. We had like 250 yards just between the two of them. And it, it was we didn't throw one pass in the overtime where we ended up winning the game against Pittsburgh. And, you know, that's how much we trusted Mike Glennon by the end of that football game is that we ended up <laughs> handing it off and – Cohen basically won the game on a play that got called back. They say he stepped out of bounds. I still don't see him stepping out of bounds, but whatever. Two plays later, Jordan Howard runs it in from about 20 yards out to win the game. And, um, you know, but then the next week was the the Green Bay game where all of a sudden we couldn't run against the high school team 
and Mike Glennon is throwing to everyone who isn't wearing a Chicago uniform, and, you know, we look embarrassing. And then our best offensive performance of the year was on the road at Cincinnati where we trucked the Bengals. You know, uh-huh. Howard's over like 150 yards. Trubisky's throwing the ball all over the place. We had Kendall Wright catching 10 passes from 10 different locations on the field. We looked like we had an offense for once. And then the following week, you know, Trubisky maybe threw the ball 12 times. We, you know, we couldn't figure out how to run the ball. And it just, it, there was no consistency whatsoever in what the Bears were doing. And there was only so much we could hang our hat on. And with the way the year ended up for the Bears, the one thing we could hang our hat on was the future and the possibilities right. of what could happen. And we were almost basing that on what was going on with Philadelphia and L.A. because they both went all in with quarterbacks. And then year two, here they are playing like a real football team, making you know getting wins and going to the playoffs. We're all kind of hoping that that happens with the Bears this year because it really wasn't that signature win that we could hang our hat on because uh, we didn't win a game in the division last year, not one. Ew. Yeah, so it was terrible. That hurts. So, but anyway... Going into the uh, off season, when I was doing my half-assed research for your free agent acquisitions, <laughs> I uh, I picked the wrong uh, website to go to because it took me through this long diatribe trying to show me like Twitter, uh, you know, tweets from different, uh, you know, NFL insiders and whatnot, and really dragging it out. So um, right. I ended up giving up on it, but. Um, what moves did you guys make? I know that you guys made the trade for Jason Pierre-Paul. How did you feel about that? We were excited. I think Buck, Buccaneers fan, Bucks Nation, I'll call him just for this podcast, was more uh, excited about it than I was. Um, you know, uh, he'd been out for football a while, but when he came back, he did have a good year. Uh, I was more upset about the third-round pick that we had to give up for him Sure, be- because uh, of what we needed, the holes we needed on the team. And when we get to the draft, I'll explain that. Um, but since it, he wasn't the only, you know, the only piece that we did, uh, of course, we're happy to see him here. Um, there's pros and cons. We got to sign some of our young players next year, uh, this year or the next off season. Uh, Quan contracts will be up. Quan Alexander, our middle linebacker, our left tackle, Donovan Smith, our uh, left guard this year. Last year he was a center. Uh, Ali Marpet, uh, and then after that comes Jameis, and all these guys are gonna. This is their big money contract. This is after their rookie deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul makes like twelve million dollars, and for this year it's okay, but for next year we'll see. Uh, but we're excited, you know. The uh, people are, I think, more Buck fans are banking on what G, uh, JPP used to be than what he is now. But from what we had last year, it's it's still a big improvement, and I'm sure we'll get to right to next. He's not the only uh, defensive lineman that we brought in. Right, I, I know that you guys brought in um, Mitch Unrein, who's who right. has been with us for the last few years, and there was a, a tackle from Philadelphia. Bo um, Allen. Bo Allen. That's it. Allen was the one that you guys got in. You know, so he comes in from Philly, just won a Super Bowl, and then another Eagle, right? Vinnie Curry. Yep, Vinny Curry. The Eagles ran into salary cap problems. Uh, they wanted to rework his contract. He wanted they, you know, can you take less money? And he said, no, thank you. And uh, so they had to release him. And uh, Bucks called him, and now he's now he's one of the four. You know, if we didn't have Gerald McCoy, you could make a real strong argument that the four linemen we brought in are our four best linemen. Sure. Uh, sure. There's been this real uh, besides the JPP. 
the because Mitch and Ryan and Bo Allen came first, and the way the the you know the front office, the Buccaneers were explaining it as uh, they're looking for tough like tough football players, guys that weren't necessarily you know uh, don't have the, what do they call it the five star virus, sure. you know the bit blue chippers their whole time, and uh, you know they're used to position being handed to them, and and uh, because we got burnt by that last year with Chris Baker and T.J. Ward, uh, especially Chris Baker. He was not a, a worker. Uh, didn't work out. Um, some people have actually called him a thief because he made six million dollars. If you compare it to his production, it, it was it was you could say he was stealing money. Um, mm. So they made a conscious effort this year to get tougher in the trenches. Uh, so the first two um, signings were these two guys that no one really, if you're not on your team, you really don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but workhorse guys, you know, and uh, strong against the run, which were. Bo Allen and Mitch on Ryan. Uh, and then we added, like you said, uh, uh, JPP and then Vinnie Curry. And uh, uh, so we are, as Buck fans, really pleased with the upgrade we have on the defensive line because we were last in sacks last year. We also last, not uh, last in yards against the run. Uh, we were last in almost everything. Like our, our defense uh, really fell off a cliff last year, and it, it was embarrassing. Does the coordinator still have a job? Coordinator does still have a job. Coordinator's wow. Mike Smith. Oh, well, that's Mike right. Smith, Mike Smith and Dirk Cutter are besties. And this time last year, I don't remember. You guys were it. talking about, oh, he signed a two-year deal. He's sticking around. I remember so that. We were saying this is the best free agent uh, signing that's not a free agent <laughs> in the offseason. We were all excited because that five-game win streak the previous year, the defense carried us. Like, and, you know, we went nine and seven and just missed the playoffs. We're like, here we go. It was part of that hype I was talking about, drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, here we go. Second year in Mike Smith's defense. You know, first they were doing addition. Now they're going to come to training camp doing trigonometry. And it just, like, it it, it didn't happen. Like, and no one had answers. No one, like, you couldn't get answers out of Mike Smith. You couldn't get answers out of Dirk Cutter. You know, it was just we got to coach better. They, They both always took the blame. But, you know, there was nothing they could point to. It wasn't like, well, the secondary is, you know, not communicating well. It's just you kept hearing, well, you know, our communication's got to get better. Well, you know, this, this is this is the second year in the same defense with, you know, most of the same players. Like, is it written in Sanskrit? Like, where's the breakdown? <laughs> like, but they would never – you never got that out of them. So it was really frustrating, like I said, that when it was time for the defense to step up, uh, they didn't. And it was like time after time after time after time. If we yeah. didn't have the ball, if we didn't have the ball at the end of the game, we were going to lose because the defense was going to let the other team come back and drive and score and win. Hmm. And we all knew it. Yeah, hearing the hearing the coach speak or hearing you talking about the you know the coaches reminded me a lot of Mark Tressman's last year in Chicago, which for the record was only his second year in Chicago, but. You know, we would come out and it would just be an absolute disaster. The the inmates were running the asylum in 2014. It was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And then Tressman would come back and sit down in front of the press and say the same old thing over and over again. Only yeah. it would be worse because he would say, like, I don't know what happened. We had a great week of practice. That was his line all year long. <laughs> I don't know what happened. We had a great week of practice. You know, we could have beaten anybody in the world on Thursday. The problem is we play on Sunday. That I mean, basically is what the guy was saying. Like, we looked like world beaters all week long, but then we took the field on Sunday, and, you know, we couldn't beat me, you, and nine of our closest friends in a pickup game right now. I mean, that's how bad 
the Bears would look, and then he would basically just be sitting there shrugging his shoulders like, I don't know what happened. We look good all week. So, you know, hearing the coach speak can be really, really frustrating when they're yeah. vague like that and, you know, not really kind of – it's like, dude, just say what's going on. Seriously. Right. How about some emotion, you know, because saying this over and over again, it almost sounds like you don't care. And I know that's not yeah. the, the vibe that they're trying to present, but that's what it sounds like. That's what it feels like when they keep saying this stenciled crap over and over again. Right. You know, uh, the fans that follow the teams as closely as you follow the Bears and, you know, your listeners and uh, Brett and I follow the Buccaneers and our listeners, we're fans. But we know when you're not telling us, like, we know when you're lying to us. Like, don't pee. I say this all the time in the pod. Like, don't pee, piss on my head and tell me it's raining. Right. Like, I'm not an idiot. Like I, I, I'm really in deep to following this team. Like I know, you know, just as much as this guy who's followed the team for 20 years for the newspaper. Like I know all the stories. You know, like don't just, just what's going on. I got into a, a funny story, a little side note here. I got into a little bit of trouble because there was a charity bowling tournament, uh, and they had uh, uh, your best buddy Chris Conti there. Oh, nice. Uh, Alan Cross, who's sort of a guy that's bouncing up and down from the practice squad at the tight end position, and uh, Darius Taylor, who's always makes a team on special teams, and you know because of our linebacking core is is uh, Levante David and uh, Quan Alexander, he's just not going to get a chance. But I think he's a really good football player. But I basically I asked them. There was like a little Q and A, and I went in. <laughs> you know, people are like, "What's your favorite color? Like, do you have any advice for my son who just started playing flag football?" And I'm like, and I just what I sort of talked about with the with the communication thing. I'm like, okay, guys, uh, you've had a few press conferences this year, and it, it, this is really recent when they first came back in the building. They had a few press conferences, and they were talk, talking about we all got to get on the same page of communication. And I'm like, okay, what's the problem here? But pretty much my little rant before, and uh, I I got a little coat like a little coach's player speak from Chris Conti, and I wouldn't let it go. So I go, okay, so where's the breakdown then? Like, is it coming? Is it like is the breakdown coming from Mike Smith upstairs to Quan in his helmet, and he's not dispersing it, or is like the defensive line not doing what they're supposed to do, or is the defensive back? And uh, finally, finally, they're like they're like they're like okay, okay. Anybody got another question? Like they just basically threw me out. They're like, you're done. And I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. I tried. <laughs> I tried to get to the truth, Bucks Nation, but they wouldn't talk. I will not rest until I get to the bottom of this. By the way, can I get press credentials so I can go in the locker room and ask questions? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Why not? Why? Why not? You know, what's the problem? I don't understand. It's like, where did all this security come from? What's going on? Is that a taser? (laughs) But, uh, so, um... Yeah, I don't remember what we were talking about. Well, oh, first of all, speak. you know, you asked the wrong person about communication because Chris yeah. Conti <laughs> was the the only player on the field that didn't get the memo that the Bears were audibling to a different defense, and the guy that he was supposed to get ran right past him. It cost the Bears a division title in 2013. So uh, that know, was our know, last you know, our last you know, shot at the fun. playoffs. Uh, as I'm talking to him, and because I remember that story you telling us that last time uh, we were on. Uh, I'm looking at Chris Conti, and that story sort of rolled through my head. <laughs> As I'm going, I'm going. I'm, I'm talking to him. I'm sort of like, you know, thinking in the back of my head, like, I know a guy who hates your guts, by the way. <laughs> Believe because me, Bear- I'm, I am not alone in that assessment. Dude. Chris Conti was a hated man in Chicago by the end of his tenure. Yeah, he's not, he's not, a, he's not a fan favorite here. But he's gone from the bottom of the barrel in the doghouse, and he's about halfway out now. Uh, 
Is that his for, first? Because you guys yeah. were buying him bus tickets last year, and he ended up we signing were. a new deal, and he and came he signed back. Signed a new one this time. He Is signed that another right? new one. Yeah. Wow. He came back. He he was he was probably our most consistent safety last year. Sure, sure. And then uh, and then you know. Jason Light is very good. Jason Light's the Buccaneers general manager. Is very good at not pigeoning him whole, pigeoning whole, pigeoning hole, pigeonholing. There we go. There we go. Himself uh, before he goes in the draft. So he'll sign guys. You're like, really? But it's 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 giving him movement in the draft where it's like, okay, it's the fourth round. Crap, we really need a safety. We have to draft a safety here. It gives him more of a best player available. Uh, need it makes the window bigger, so you know he he picked up players like Chris Conti and uh, Charles Sims, a running back who no one likes anymore, and they signed him like the day before the draft, and it's like why? Because the Bucks really need a running back, but if the draft broke a certain way where we couldn't take a running back till the third round, well at least we have Charles Sims. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. So and, that's one of the reasons Conti's back. Well, the thing about Chris Conti, and I think that's probably what was the most frustrating thing about him is that you're right. He's a consistent player, you know, and for the most part, he he plays every Sunday. Um, the problem is, yeah. is that when he messes up, he messes up huge, and yeah. everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. I mean, he, it happened in, in that 2013-2014 stretch, that huge mistake he had in, in that Green Bay game that cost us. Um, in 2014, I mean, it wasn't entirely his fault, to be completely honest about it, but, you know... When it's you or the end zone, when it's you in between the end zone, you know, when you in front of the the running back or the receiver, and you miss the tackle in a way that is just embarrassingly bad, that's right. that's that reflects poorly on you. When when it's you and him, and it, it makes it look like he didn't have to put any any effort to get past you, and things like that. I mean, it just and the things that he did when he did make those mistakes, like I said, they were always huge. It wasn't little things like, oh damn it, he almost did it. It was like it wasn't even close. It wasn't yeah. even close. I mean, the, the first game in 2014 against Buffalo, it was Chris Conti between you know trying to drag down. I forget who the running back was for Buffalo uh, at the time, but instead of pushing him out of bounds, he sat there trying to wrestle the ball out of his hands. And the guy got like another 10 or 15 yards and ended up kicking the game-winning field goal with the yardage that Conti gave up trying to take the ball away from him. <laughs> On the side, like, all you got to do is just give him a nudge. He's out of bounds. That's it. But instead, he's staring there trying to wrestle the ball out of his hands, and he's gaining precious, precious yardage in the overtime period. And it's just like, dude. I get it. Put him out of bounds. I mean, how far does he have to run before you before that dawns on you? So, uh, good yeah. idea, bad execution. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> and that was basic that's the story of Chris Conti right there. You know, he'll make his plays, the guy, you know, can be Johnny on the spot with the interceptions, but when there's a mistake to be made, Chris Conti is front and center and he's got the whole stadium watching when he does it. So it's it's one of those things. Not something that only the coaches catch on film or anything like that. It's something that Chris Conti makes sure every Everyone says, you know, everyone gets to see him like, hey, check me out while I do this wrong real quick and embarrass my entire fan base real quick. It's Is this mic on? Is this, this is on? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Just, everybody watch this. Hold my beer. I got this. So it's, it's about to get ugly. So, so speaking of draft flexibility, we, sure. get to, we get to draft night. 
And it was one of those nights where we just thought it was going to be one trade carousel after another, teams moving up to get quarterbacks and things like that. But we made it all the way to your pick at number seven before the first trade was made. And you guys trade down to 12 with Buffalo. You pick up a couple of extra picks and make way for for the Bills to take uh, Josh Allen. What was going on with with you and and the rest of the Bucks Nation when that trade happened? Sure. Uh, actually, Brett, uh, once again, the missing co-host tonight, uh, <laughs> we went to the stadium. Like, they opened the stadium, let you down on the field, and oh, kids nice. were running around throwing the football, and they had, like, uh, they had cornhole and some other party games, and there were a bunch of Buccaneer players just sort of milling around. You take pictures with them. Uh, uh, so it was, it, was, it was actually a lot of fun. It was, like, free popcorn and soda. You know, you could get buy buy your beer, obviously. But uh, so it was on the Jumbotron and we were there. We did sort of like a a live. It wasn't a live broadcast, but we recorded it live there at the draft. Uh, When let me put a cap on the JPP trade. Now, when we got JPP, we had to give up a third rounder. Right. Uh, What the Bucks desperately needed uh, was a safety, uh, a cornerback and a running back. Um. But we only had a first and second round pick, and then we had a, and we didn't have another pick to the fourth round. Mm-hmm. So we need three positions, but we only have two picks where you know that they're going to make an impact. I think Jason Light's good enough where he can find someone in the third round who's going to make a big impact. Uh, so when Buffalo came calling, here's the story as far as the Buccaneers draft went. Their draft board, and it has been confirmed by the GM, was. Uh, Chubb, uh, the D-end out of... Uh, NC State. Th- thank you very much. Then Barkley out of Penn State. Right. Then Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame. Then we had Via Veda, and right behind him was Derwin James. You can imagine the Derwin James talk being, you know, from Florida State. Tampa's a Florida team. Same thing happened last year with uh, Dalvin Cook. It was, you know... Uh, so when Nelson went, Jason Light he's had a couple interviews the gm the buccaneers said okay we need to get buffalo on the phone because they have talked about it previous uh so they got buffalo on the uh, on the phone i was hoping for a trade uh because in the back of my mind like i said it's like we need a draft pick somewhere to be able to get what i you know i think we need early Mm -hmm. um because if you listen to jason light he was going to take the best player available at seven or with his first pick he was not going to pick for need kind of like last year did with oj howard Howard. We really didn't need O.J. Howard. Right. But when O.J. Howard falls to you at 19, you don't look gift horse in the mouth. You select the guy. Right. Uh, and that's what he was going to do at 7. We fall back to 12, according to Jason Light and what he's told us, us as in, you know, everybody, that Vea was the fourth person on the board. They drop down to 12 and get to, get to pick up Vita Vea. Uh, I thought it was a good pick. I wasn't too high on Derwin James. Um, you know, I could eat my words. But a lot of people are like, well, look what Jalen Ramsey did in Jacksonville. Derwin James is better. I don't think he is. Uh, and Gerald McCoy is 30. Uh, and we're going to need somebody to sort of slide into that uh, uh, spot when Gerald moves on in a couple of years. So I was really happy with the 12th pick. We got Vivea, who, you know, arguably was the best interior defensive lineman in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's the funny thing is, you know, you're running down your board. It's like, dude, that sounds like everybody's board. Chubb, right. Barkley, Nelson, and then whoever their number four guy happens to be. I'm sure the Bear. I don't know. I don't think maybe, maybe talent wise, Barkley was up that high. But as far as need, I don't think Barkley was that high on the Bears 
board probably because they just didn't think they had a snowball's chance in hell of being able to pick him up. But I know, you know, Chubb, Nelson, uh, you know, and anybody that wasn't a quarterback basically was was high on the Bears board in that top 10. And we ended up with Rokon Swift, who I'm really excited to to see yeah, out on the field. I, yeah, he he uh, I listened to a lot. Well, I don't listen to a lot. I, I listened to uh, I'm going to give a plug for somebody else locked on NFL draft uh, podcast. Sure. Yeah, uh, they, they go uh, five days a week. Uh, one of the beat reporters for the Buccaneer actually co-hosts it. It's it's a fun it's a fun podcast to listen to. But I only listen to it, you know, during you know as we're going up to the draft. They but they go all year long. They are in love with this guy. Like they think possibly he was the best player in the draft. Wow. It's just you know you just don't really draft a linebacker. We had so many quarterback needy teams, and you know we all know the draft is sort of this graph when need and. Uh, player grade sort of intersect sure yeah. that's that's when you make your pick and uh so yeah i think you guys are gonna be really really happy with that guy yeah i'm looking forward to it so we move on to the second round and uh got the running back you guys were looking for ronald jones out of uh usc uh in the in the second round so adding some uh some depth or is could he be a starter for you guys he will be okay he'll start he'll start he'll start week one um if not, he'll. If he's not starting by week eight, then something went terribly wrong. Uh, he may not start week one because Dirk Cutter is extremely. Uh, he'd rather have the back needs to pass protect first before he can do anything else. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Like uh, so, you know, he might do a rotation with Peyton Barber, uh, an undrafted free agent the Bucks picked up a few years ago from Auburn. Um, but yeah, I, I think, and I, and everyone else you know still has this well we'll wait and see but yeah week one he'll be starting but it was very interesting as far as a you know buccaneers fan like everyone wanted guys like but we thought he was going to go in the first round so when he was still there and the stories hadn't come out about how uh you know he showed up late to interviews and got in a shouting match at philly and you know he he, he had some maturity issues none of that stuff was out and, and so we were disappointed as Buck fans a little bit because Ronald Jones, a West Coast guy, we were talking about Barkley, uh, Chubb out of Georgia, uh, Sonny Michelle out of Georgia, mm-hmm. and Darius Geis. Like those were the four. And then it was like, oh yeah, Ronald Jones is really good too. Uh, but once you know he got here and you know everyone's gone and lo- you know looked at the tape, quote unquote YouTube film. Um, uh, I think everyone's going to be really happy with him, and he brings something to this team that uh, we just don't have, which is explosiveness. And then you ended up with two more um, second-round picks there. Um, mm-hmm. The 53rd overall, which is what you got from Buffalo uh, to get we another a, corner. Right, MJ Stewart. Right. He's, he's probably going to be uh, uh, competing for the slot corner position. Okay, and then Carlton, Carlton Davis, another corner with the second-to-last pick in the second round there. And then the, the you had a third-round pick. You ended up getting one from Minnesota. Of all teams, yeah. we um, moved up. We mm-hmm. moved up to get this guy, Alex Kappa. Yeah, uh, you know how everyone loved Quentin Nelson's tape about how just like like a mean son of a bitch he was. Yeah, uh, Alex Kappa is the same type of guy, except he played Division three football. Um, but when that's kind of like everyone says, like his tape's a lot of fun to watch. But you know, he was a man playing with boys, mm-hmm. uh, so we're high on him. But we'll, you know, it's he's probably going to be a. Uh, you know a project yeah, yeah it's gonna take like a year or two before you see him into the lineup but uh but they once again it's that toughness thing that that jason light was going after 
Well, you really got to turn some heads if you're if you're getting drafted out of Division Three. I mean, the Bears right. actually uh, signed an undrafted free agent out of Dubuque, which is a Division Three mm-hmm. uh, school, and you know he's a corner. And reading this guy's story, I'm going to love to to talk about him. Uh, you know, at some point, uh, you know, he was like 110 pounds soaking wet coming out of high school, and this guy built his body and worked on him and it's like couldn't deny his talent so the coaches put him on the field the next thing you know he's like one of the best defensive players in all of division three in the country you know he had to go to iowa state to 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 join their pro day to get looked at by scouts and and all that kind of stuff he's from the chicagoland area and he signed with the bears i mean it's an amazing cool it's an amazing story so um whose unfortunately name i'm forgetting right now but nonetheless (laughs) when i talked to my draft expert i asked him it's like who uh who amongst these guys, uh, you know, in our undrafted free agent crop do you like? And he's like, actually, his name is Joseph. The last name is Joseph. Uh, Joseph, the cornerback from Dubuque. I mean, and it's like, you know, he really jumps off on, on a tape and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. He, you know, the guy could be something if he uh, if he pulls it off. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. And like I said, you got to be a road grader and really that whole man amongst boys thing. If you're getting drafted in the third round out of Division yeah. Three, I mean, that's unheard of. They moved up to get him, too. Wow. Well, he, it wasn't such a tough road for Kappa. Uh, you know, he did go to the Senior Bowl. And, sure, uh, you sure. know, and, and went up against, like, the Davenports and, 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 and uh, those, those guys and, you know, showed his worth. So uh, it wasn't such a thing where, you know, we had to travel to Iowa State. Hey, guys, take a look at me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, we'll see. But I don't want to gloss over Carlton Davis because the Bucks, uh he was the other second round cornerback we took. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's our biggest corner. The Bucks sort of have this like five, eight, five, nine, five, ten corner that are like, you know, 180. Vernon Hargraves, Brent Grimes, Ryan Smith. Uh, this Carlton Davis guy, he's like six, one, like two, ten. Um, and he likes to play press man. And he's physical. And uh, due to the woes of the defensive backfield last year he's already an instant fan favorite and it's just because his body type's different like you know it's like he can actually be physical receivers and don't be surprised that he might be the out the outside starting corner uh when you know uh the bucks and the bears square off sure yeah week four i mean that's that's where you'll see a lot of uh, that's where you kind of see the football team actually forming itself is around that time of year which is Mm -hmm. um why I like that the Bears have an early bye this year. It's week five this year. You get those four games in, the first quarter of the season is in the books, and then you got a break to kind of assess what happened in those four weeks, what was working for us, and then take that last, you know, three quarters of the year head on with uh, you know, that's who you're gonna go to the who you're gonna go to the dance with is is these guys that, that made it through the first four weeks, uh kind of thing. So I'm interested to see how that's all gonna play out uh for us. And then uh fourth and you got a fourth and a fifth rounder Jordan Whitehead, a safety from Pittsburgh, so you finally got another mm-hmm. safety. And then a wide receiver, Justin Watson, out of Pennsylvania. Out of Penn, yeah. Yeah, is, is Penn a Division three school? I, I, don't, I don't know what you consider that. I, yeah. Everyone just calls it Ivy League. Right. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Because yeah. they don't go through any kind of playoff or anything like that either out there, or, or at least football doesn't anyway. Um, you know, basically, like, if you won the Ivy League, then you know you had a you were champions, and that's how it all <laughs> boils down. You don't see a Harvard or a Yale or anything like that, no matter how good or bad they were. I mean, you see their guys make the NFL. I don't want to say all the time, but you've definitely seen a few. I think Daniel Brown, one of our guys, is a Harvard guy or something like that. We have um, two Harvard guys on our team. Okay, so I mean, it's not unheard of to hear those guys 
making it in the NFL. I mean, it's not a football factory or anything, but these guys play pro ball. It just is, you know, like what division of football is the Ivy League? That's a really good question. Mm. So, But uh, as far as Justin Watson, I, this might be going a little too deep for your listeners, but it's one of the sleepers that uh, Jason Light, the GM, really liked. Like he was talking about him a long time ago. So he definitely had him targeted in late rounds. And what he is going to be is replacement for our slot receiver, Adam Humphreys, who uh, we put a second-round tender on him this year, so we're paying him like $3 million. And once again, going back to having to sign Quan, sign Ali, sign Donovan, sign Jameis, next year we're going to have to pay Adam Humphreys like you know $6 million That's because that's, he's finally going to become a free agent, and that's what he's going to – you know that's going to sort of be where his price tag is. And uh, I, I think you – know, and so here we go, except Justin Watson from Penn. Hmm. And then round it out with uh... – is it Sichi or the the linebacker yeah, what from is, Wisconsin? Sichi, Sichi, Sichi. Yeah, it's one of those. It's I, I believe it's a Sichi. Sichi, Jack okay. Sichi. Yeah. Uh, what it, this is an interesting. This is basically take the best athlete available in the sixth round. Is kind of what this philosophy is. He hasn't played football in like sixteen months. Wow. Like he blew out his shoulder, and then he came back and then blew out his knee in spring ball. So he missed all of last year, but. Hmm. He was sort of on this projection to be a third rounder, um, you know. But once again, he's a linebacker, and we have Quan Alexander, and we have <laughs> Levante David, and then we have a guy called Kendall Beckwith, Beckwith that we traded up to get the last pick of the third round last year, mm-hmm. who's our starting Sam linebacker. So it's just sort of like it's a philosophy: just draft good players. You know, it'll sure. work out. Something's you know something's gonna happen, and, it'll, and maybe it'll work out. You know. Uh, I think there's a real good shot that all these guys are going to make the, make the roster. Uh, the Buccaneers do like to do this thing where they'll put a rookie on injury reserve. You know, hey, you twisted your ankle. That looks like a 17-week injury. You're on IR. <laughs> like, they've done it the past three years. They did we do it all the time, too, actually. We did it with our fifth rounder, Jordan Morgan, uh, yeah. with a parent with some kind of, I think it was a shoulder injury of some kind, but or a hamstring he's injury. Got a, you yeah, know, something innocuous that he, he was going to, you know, Maybe rub some dirt on it and he'll be fine, kind of thing. But he goes on IR because of that particular uh, injury. So he got a redshirt year as a rookie uh, with the Bears last year. So I'm I'm familiar with the concept. The Bears like to do that too. So, yeah. um, you know. But listening to you talk about the guy and and how he hasn't played football in 16 months, I don't think it's been that long. But it's a very similar tale for our sixth round pick. Uh, Kylie Fitz is his name. It's a man named Kylie. Don't ask me how that happened. But uh, okay. he's a defensive end slash outside linebacker from Utah and very much in the same vein as your guy, somebody who would probably would have been much higher on the board if he could keep himself on the field. Right. And there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of overtures, you know, from, you know, whoever talking about OTAs or, you know, the way that, it, that this guy's kind of popping on the field, which not really a whole lot to get excited about. It's OTAs. It's helmets and, right. and T-shirts right now. So it's really hard to assess how he's going to do once it starts getting real out there. But basically saying that he could be a steal with the way that he's been performing. This guy's chomping at the bit. You know, maybe he's got a chip on his shoulder because he's a six-rounder and he knows he's better than that uh, kind of thing. But he very much sounds like your guy where, you know, if he could have stayed healthy, then maybe he's a day-two pick instead of a day-three almost undrafted free agent kind of guy. Right. Right, yeah, you know, um, hope so for me. <laughs> yeah, so I hope I so you're, too. I thought you're. I thought you were going to talk about uh, uh, Kevin White, your wide receiver who oh, can't God. stay healthy. Is yeah. that is that, 
is that his first name? It is his first name. Yes, it is first name Good. is uh, Kevin. Okay. Uh, and and un un you know un unlike uh, you know despite popular uh, opinion, his last name is not injured reserve. So um, <laughs> you know his last name is White. It's not White is not his middle name, and his last name is injured reserve. That's not how that works. But you know I've talked about this before. I actually talked about it on my last show because he's been getting getting kind of snippy or choppy with the media. Asking him basically, you're going to make it through the season this year, dude, or what? Because the Bears made a yeah, because the Bears made a huge investment in wide receivers in the off season, and they kind of went about it as though Kevin White didn't exist. You know, they declined his fifth year option, so this is his his uh, contract year. They signed Allen Robinson, they got Taylor Gabriel, they moved up into the second round to get Anthony Miller. Uh, you know, we gave up Best right next year in the draft. Right. So we dra- we gave up next year's second round pick to take Miller now in the second round, you know, and, and everything else. We 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 drafted another uh, offensive lineman to shore up the O-line and we did everything pro- with, you know, to protect to Trubisky or to build around him. But Kevin White doesn't seem to be in those plans. And even the coaching staff is coming out saying there really aren't any expectations from White. Right. And I know they're saying that in a way to try to take the pressure off of him. But the words still don't sound good. Well, we don't have any expectations for Kevin White. Like, really? Kevin White, who's that guy? Yeah, exactly. That's number 13 (laughs) over there. You know, that kind of guy thing. But, you know, it's – or number 11. He changed his number last year. Didn't help with his luck or anything like that. But (laughs) he he was 13 when he got drafted. Now he's 11, which is what he wore in in college. And he wore it for all of three and a half quarters against the Falcons and broke his shoulder. And that was it. So, yeah. But, um, you know, it's – the frustrating thing about Kevin White, and I've said this a thousand times, especially after he got hurt again against Atlanta, is that, you know, as far as, you know, what history will call Kevin White, especially if he if he gets hurt again this year or if he doesn't play up to snuff, it, it he's basically a bust. And yeah. the, the problem is that we don't – he's not necessarily a bust because he, because he can't play. He's a bust because he didn't play. You know, he couldn't yeah. stay healthy enough to get out there. It's like we're going into year four. He's played less than five games. He's appeared in five games, but he hasn't finished five games out of 48 potential games that he could have played in in the first three years. And we still have no idea what we have in this kid, or at least the fans don't anyway. Maybe the coaching staff obviously has a better idea, but we as fans have no idea. Like, we drafted him to be a number one guy, but he hasn't been on the field to be like, ah, he's probably more of a number two. Maybe he's a slot guy or he's a deep threat, but don't throw him to anything across the middle. We have no idea, no clue what we have in, in Kevin White. And for me, that's the most frustrating part. We can't say he's a bust because he's a lousy football player. We just He's a bust because he didn't play football while he was getting paid millions of dollars by the Bears. So that's the frustrating thing with, with Kevin White. And... You know, I think he's approaching it all wrong. He should be playing it like there is no pressure because the Bears have prepared to move on without him. But he's still on the roster. They're still going to give him a shot. And if he makes it, he does. If he makes it, great. If he doesn't, then that's okay too, apparently. I mean, it's like yeah. if, whatever. I'm putting God's hands or whatever you want to say or, or what have you. And I think he's, you know, I mean, I don't blame the guy. He's frustrated, you know, with everything. He's probably tired of the questions uh, and everything. But they're going to happen. They're going to come, so I just think he needs to play it a little bit better. So, but Me anyway, too. <laughs> as we wrap things up here, we look ahead to 2018. So the schedule comes up. We touched upon it a little bit earlier. Those first three games before you meet the Bears uh, at home. It's in Tampa Bay this year. No, it's on the road. You're in Chicago. 
Yeah, at Chicago. Okay. This schedule is color-coded, and I couldn't see which one was which. But um, anyway, you're on the road at New Orleans, home for Philly. Monday Night Football, week three against the Steelers, and then on the road to Chicago for the first four weeks of the season. So like you said, three division winners, three playoff teams before going on the road to Chicago. So, yeah, definitely a, uh, a rough start to the season. Yeah, uh, you know, we're trying to embrace it as fans, you know, because uh, uh, this is a big sort of put up or shut up year for oh, yeah. absolutely for the the front office and the coaching staff. I think Jason Light has done enough to, no matter what happens, should keep his job. And then uh, I think Dirk Cutter's uh, offense moves the ball enough that I mean I think the Buccaneers were eighth. Here's a stat for you. They were eighth in the league in getting inside the red zone, but they were 28th in red zone scoring. Wow. Yeah, so it was just sort of we shot ourselves in the foot. It was uh, what could go wrong, you know, what can go wrong, could go wrong. It was just one of those years, and I think that's one of the main reasons he got, he did get to keep his job, Dirk Carter, the head coach. Uh, and so, you know, you know we'll see. It, it, there, there seems to be a big – there's an uptick in intensity and I know it's just OTAs, but it seems that uh, there's this more of, hey, everybody, like like last year, you know, you guys thought you were the bee's knees and now everyone's mad at you. Uh, like, this is it. It's sort of like if someone, I don't know, challenges your manhood. It's just, you know, your, your spidey senses are, are tingling. It's like it's it seems like there's more intensity at one buck place right now. And uh, uh, and I think no small part about it is like there's there's you can be 0 and 3 very quickly and uh you know and feel like the season's gone this year for the buccaneers so uh add that on to all the coaches and the gm might be fired if we don't you know at least have a winning record maybe make the playoffs it's a uh, it's a big year big year down here in tampa absolutely and and you guys got the same week five uh bye week that the bears have um and then you come back week six at atlanta Home for the Browns. Three out of four on the road here to, to start the second quarter of the season there. So at Atlanta, home for the Browns, at Cincinnati, then at Carolina uh, to finish out the first half of the uh, the year. So two more division matchups and then the, the NFC North bottom feeders in Cincinnati and Cleveland. I'm interested to see what Cleveland's going to end up being because can they be 1-15 or 0-16? Is that even possible to do that three years in a row? No. No. So no, I don't. I like I don't Mayfield. I, I don't think he'll. he'll I really he'll, like Mayfield, to be honest nope. with you. But I like him. I don't know how much that's going to translate on the field. But he, I think, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the way that he played. I love his emotion. You know, it's clear that his teammates at Oklahoma loved him uh, and everything. I just wonder if he'll be able to do that at the pro level at in Cleveland. I mean, that's that's a challenge all in itself to do anything in Cleveland as far as the NFL. Uh, is concerned it's uh it's it's quite a heavy task so i I hope he can handle it because uh i'd hate for you know the bucks to, or the bucks the browns sorry to be able to continue to being what they are i mean it you think it's boring that the patriots make it super bowl every year i think it's boring that the same teams lose year in and year out and uh you know they've won one game in the last two years that's that's not even funny it's not comical yeah. it's you know it's pathetic is what it is and, it's, it's, you know, these guys are supposed to be professionals, and this is what they're churning out uh, year after year. So it's 
It's got to get you're better. Going, you're going with these guys are professionals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I would have gone with, like, poor fan base. <laughs> <laughs> you got, you're, got, you're going with have some pride, a professional pride. Dude, seriously, man. I mean, come on. You know? I, I Neither neither one of those of those uh, narratives are wrong for sure. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about Chris Baker was stealing money last year. I mean, pretty much in, anybody in a Cleveland Brown uniform stole money last year. They didn't win a single game and they still got paid. It's like, you know, that's the American dream right there. You do nothing and still get paid for it. I mean, come on. So anyway, <laughs> second half of the year, we went from three out of four on the road in the second quarter, the third quarter of the season. You got uh, three out of four. Actually, four out of five on the road, or at home, excuse me. You're home for Washington at uh, New York for the mm-hmm. Giants, then home for San Francisco, home for Carolina, home for um, New Orleans there. And right. then you go Baltimore, Dallas on the road, and then finish out the year at home against uh, Atlanta. So just the one Monday night game. Are you guys playing on Thursday at all this year? No. We have one primetime game this year. No Sunday night, no Thursday night. Wow. I th- and I thought it was a rule. Obviously, it's been changed that every team had every to play a third on Thursday. Had, yeah, yeah, but huh. we don't have one, and I'm not. I'm not upset about it, really. Honestly, if if uh, I was the Buccaneer, I would be thrilled about not having to play on Thursday night. I mean, the the players are. Oh, for sure, <laughs> they have to be. You know, because yeah. you don't have. I mean, you're the the hell that those guys put their bodies through on game day and then have to do it all again in 72 hours is unbelievable. You know, like it's it's just uh, it's it's brutal is what it is. And we wonder why injuries are skyrocketing and and things like that. It's just um, yeah. So uh, I think that's great that they don't have a Thursday night game. Unfortunately, we do. So we'll have to worry about it when it happens. And I and I did a little research uh, and you know how like, you know, the players say it's a mini buy after the Thursday night game. Right. Uh, I don't think the Buccaneers play anybody coming off of a Thursday night game. So hmm. no one gets those extra days of to prepare uh, against us. So even though our schedule is really hard, I mean, I think it's like, uh, you know, who, who knows about power rankings and all that kind of stuff. But we're like in the top ten as far as strength of the schedule. Um, you know, Eagles, Steelers, uh, Saints, Swice, Falcons, Swice. You know, we got we got. Uh, well, I mean, everybody, but I mean, not to not to make a joke out of it, but everybody, but you guys made the playoffs in your division last yeah. year so that's at off the right off the top that's six games against the playoff team on the schedule already that's definitely going to affect your strength of schedule yeah so uh you know it's a tough division but um as far as logistics are you know having monday night game or a thursday night game or coming off a thursday night game or somebody you know uh getting extra days or you not getting extra days to face somebody who's coming up extra days uh all that sort of sort of lines up for the buck so uh even though you know it looks like from the outside it's a really hard schedule at least logistically it's probably the best you could ask for sure. as a Tampa Bay fan. yeah i mean it's it's uh it's funny you talked about the you know the possibilities of starting the year oh and three it seemed like every schedule the bears have gotten in the john fox era had that murderer's row to start off the season just like jesus christ here we go again you know, we got. I think the first schedule for John Fox was coming off the 2014 season was Green Bay Week One, Seattle Week Two, and then Week Three was Arizona. Those were like the top three teams in the NFC the year before, <laughs> and we got them to start off the year before we mercifully got to play the Raiders Week Four. I mean, it just, 
you know, it, it was like, oh, Christ. And then 2016 was the same thing. And then last year, you're looking at schedule like, Christ, do we could be one in seven? Because we had like, I, I remember this, the, seeing the graphic on NFL Network when the schedule came out last year, how the Bears were like number two or number three for strength of schedule in the first eight games. Like yeah. they had like the, the, the toughest or the second toughest schedule for the first eight games. And somehow we got through that three and five. And then the bottom half of the schedule, which looked like a cakewalk, we only won two more games, and none of them was a division game. So, I mean, it was something had to give there. And thankfully, it was Fox and Dole Loggins, who I would take to the end of a pier and shoot in the head if I could get away with it. Who's Dole Loggins? Yeah, he exactly. He was our offensive coordinator, who now okay. who somehow immediately got picked up by Adam Gase to be his offensive coordinator in Miami. So, good luck to the Dolphins on that one. <laughs> I hope Gase is still calling the plays out there because if he's putting it on Loggins, you guys, not you guys, but the Dolphins are going to be in big trouble next year. So, but there's your schedule right there. I mean, it just, um, you know, it, it does look tough, but you have, what, five road games or home games, I should say, in the second half. So, you know, right yep. when, when, when things are cooling down weather-wise, they got to come to Tampa where the weather still sucks and, <laughs> you know, play against the Bucks in that stadium uh, and everything. Because the one trip I've made to Tampa Bay was way back in 2001. It was in late November, and it was 85 and humid. I was like, I will never be back <laughs> in Tampa yeah. Bay ever again. It was terrible. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about summer, you know, before we started recording, and people don't, like it's a little bit off track about football people don't get it you know i play like you know lots of video games online and stuff and you know where you live i live in florida oh you lucky son of a bitch and i just think in my head I'm like come down here in august and see how <laughs> you know how lucky it is like you take a shower you walk outside and you get in your car and, and in that 30 feet you're drenched in sweat right because it's so humid outside right uh, you know and you could eat by mosquitoes it's like it's, it's florida is swampland that's been drained i mean it's it's yeah, the beaches are pretty, but God, you know, sand and water make mud. And yeah. you know what? Don't, you can't can't drink the water. Can't open your eyes in the water. You can't. It's just you know. Yeah. Whales it's... poop in that water. <laughs> <laughs> Swim away, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's that's hilarious. So, I'm sorry. So. There's my little. There's oh no my problem. Florida hot yeah. <laughs> so, but I hear that all the time from people that are in. Uh, Florida. It's like, oh, come to Florida, they said. It'd be great, they said. It's freaking 90 <laughs> degrees in September. This sucks, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's always... Because I was but shocked I have... when I got down there. 85 and humid in mid yeah. mid to late November. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. yeah, you can feel yourself walking, like pushing the air away from your body right. as you're walking through. It's like walking through, like, bisque. It's yeah. like, <laughs> But I've never had to... Ice, de-ice a windshield ever in my life. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, nothing wrong with that. So that's probably my least favorite part of winter is having to scrape off my window. You know, that's that's probably the worst thing. The more the most tedious and frustrating thing is scraping ice off a windshield. It sucks. I hate. I, that's the one thing I hate more than anything is having to do that because it just like the scraper that I got, there's always some like groove at some point. Like I don't know how I wore out a spot where there's always one streak that I can't get no matter what when I'm scraping it off. You know, I was like, how did this happen? That somehow on this flat surface there's a part that's missing and I keep just going over it. You know, it's, and it's right like, where your eyes are, right? Yeah, where your eyes exactly. Up. Every like, single time. So anyway, this kind of went off the rails, but um anyway. <laughs> So what what are you guys thinking for 2018? Are you are you coming at it with a more 
humble approach this time? Is that, the, you know, because it's all the optimism that 2017 carried and then for the season to go the way it did. How are you guys looking at 2018 this time around? I've hinted about it before, like super cautious. Like mm-hmm. we'll see. Like everything we'll see. Uh, Brent and I like to say on the podcast, Brent mostly, like I'm not making any judgments about the free agents, about the team, about the draft choices, about the coaches until week six. Like, uh, you know, they want to get some games under our belt, uh, play some, you know, really good teams on paper, and uh, then we'll, we'll see where we are. Then we'll start to make assessments about how good the team is this year. Uh, like I said, everybody drank the Kool-Aid and, and we were we were ready to go, man. Like, you know, I already like I ordered my Super Bowl beads, uh, <laughs> you know, back in June last year. And uh, it, w- it couldn't have been more of a disappointing season. And not because they only won five games, because as a Bucks fan, that's pretty status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just that the expectations were so high right. and they fell so flat and no, and then pile on once again there was no answers it was just like you know kind of like your guy eh, i don't really know what happened eh, <laughs> we look bad eh, we look great monday eh, i think okay hey. yeah i mean that was and, and then the other thing was you know i kind of had something like that with john fox this pat well there were a few things but there was one where it's like dude why won't you just tell us because Dion sims one of our tight ends uh missed a couple of games because he had a quote-unquote virus it's like what mm-hmm. does he have a does he have a cold? Does he have a, a flu or something? Is that something that maybe some of the other players might come down with or whatever? And he just like, ah, we don't want to talk about it. And just like, does he have AIDS? I mean, what's wrong with the guy? Come on. <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ. Is it is just, a bursa, a, you know, bullseye. what is going on with this guy? You know, it's like, Jesus, does he have the bird flu or something? I mean, come on. It just it was like three or four weeks of that. And then Deion Sims comes back and boom, he's fine. And he's on the field and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you made it sound like the guy was on his deathbed. He wasn't anywhere near the facility or anything like that. And there he is, and he's practicing, and he's playing, and he's starting, and all that kind of stuff. What was all that about, dude? Seriously. He's, you know, if he had a bug and, you know, he was contagious, you didn't want him spreading it around the team, okay, that's fine. I get it, you know. You don't want say it that. to affect the rest of the team. Just say that. Instead, he's trying to be all vague. And I mean, he didn't even cite the whole, you know, well, that's a medical issue and that's private or and nothing. He was like, yeah, we don't want to talk about it. Then why do you keep talking about him? Don't mention Deion Sims then, because then we're gonna. Hey, what is going on with Deion Sims? Like, ah, we can't talk about it. So, you know, sure like, hey, look Deion that way. Sims. You know, so. <laughs> and then he's gone. Yeah, so like, yeah, he ducks behind the podium. You know, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, but yeah. So I mean, but my favorite quote out of those guys last year, and it was something, and I never, never determined who said it first, but. Fox said it, and then either Logan's or Logan's, the, our idiot offensive coordinator. Uh, parroted it and said it uh, again, or he said it and Fox backed him up. But those idiots actually came out and said that it was the defense that was dictating what the offense was doing. As far as like the personnel that they put on the field and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I've been watching football my whole life. And I swear to God, every single play, you see an offensive personnel guy run onto the field and then somebody from the other sideline, a.k.a. the defense, <laughs> comes on the field to, <laughs> you know. It's like, so it's the offense that dictates the defensive personnel. 
not the other. Like, how, what are you going to tell me you're going to wait for, oh, the defensive lineman came out, send Kyle Long to the sideline, get that other guy in there because he can run faster or whatever. It's like this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And not only did one guy say it, but then the other guy said it right behind him and backed him up. It's like, I, I can't wrap my head around this kind of stupidity. It, they just must think that we're all stupid. And yeah, what's most what insulting is like, yeah, we're frustrated as fans. Like, how frustrated do you think those beat writers, like, that's their job. That's what they do. That's what they live and breathe. And you're saying that to them with a straight face. You know, do you think they any have, of those reporters, yeah, do you think any of those reporters respected you by the end of the season when you lie to their face like that? It's because it's not gamesmanship or anything like that. It's bullshit is what it is. So it's it was uh, completely frustrating to sit there and listen to that and then see the product they were putting on the field. It was just uh, I'm so glad 2017 is over with and we can move on to, you know, brighter days and hopefully Nagy can can be the savior that that brings us all to it. So, um, yeah. And I hope you guys, you know, bounce back as well. I mean, it's oh, it's always more fun to see new people at the top and, and uh, to, to reemerge and live up to their potential because you guys are putting together a pretty good football team. It's just a matter of seeing it come together on the field. Yeah, it's a nice roster. Um, it really is. It could be like I did a little article last year about how possibly the 2017 roster, uh, if given a few years, could actually be better than the Super Bowl team, the Buccaneers mm. Super Bowl 2002 roster. Mm-hmm. And I did it like a like boxing. Like I had to do 10, at least 10, 10 9 round. Uh, actually, safeties went 10-8 for the 2002 team. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and the 2017 team came out on top by one point. Wow, okay. And, well, pff, well what the hell do I know? Because the team went 5 and, five and 11. Yeah. So, uh, um, but that sort of speaks to what you're saying. Like, it's it's a really nice roster. Uh, and right now it's, it's, it's sort of, it's down to the coaches. It's like, look, look what Jason light has given you. It's up to you now. Cause yeah. if this fails, it's, it's your fault. Like there's, there's no, there's no, uh, there's nothing else you can say. You know, you have, uh, use your last jet out of jail free card. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, 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 it's win or, or, or you're fired. Right. And, and it's, it's funny because when, when things were kind of boiling down in 2017, there was a lot of talk about how, like, we know Fox is gone, that's a given, but is Pace going to follow him out? And I was against it because, granted, everybody that he signed in free agency except maybe uh, Prince of Mukamura was an absolute turd. Um, right. You know, uh, Deion Sims was okay, but, you know, he was more of a blocking guy, so that's you're not really going to see that on stat sheets or anything like that. Uh, Mike Glennon, we won't even get into that. Um, you know, the wide receiver, whose name I'm forgetting, but we paid him $6 million and he caught three passes, literally, all season long. Uh, Kendall Wright was a decent signing, but, you know, that was more a disaster for him than anything else just because he was forced to do things that he shouldn't have been counted on to do uh, last year because of the injuries and with the wide receivers and everything. And it's like right. he's he's not doing great with free agent signings, but he is absolutely knocking it out of the park with his draft choices. Yeah. Because I was not happy with our draft class last year, but we only drafted five guys and four of them were contributors last year. I mean, that was supposed to be the wait-and-see draft class, but these guys are on the field making it happen. Tariq Cohen, Adam Shaheen, our tight end, and um, you know Eddie Jackson, the free safety who was you know from Alabama. That guy was a monster. And then of course Trubisky on the top, having to start twelve games. And yeah, he had his rookie problems last year. He had zero weapons to throw to, but he still looked like the future 
last right. year. It's like, so, I mean, he's good at building with youth and everything. If the guy could just hit on some free agents, we've really got something on our hands here. So, you know, he really went out and did it in free agency this year. Now it's just a matter of seeing if they can put it together on the field. So um, I'm excited to see it, and I'm interested to see what the Bucks are going to do this year to answer for what 2017 should have been and, you know, could they turn it into what 2018 will be. I think it's all going to hinge on the defense. Mm-hmm. For me, it's all going to hinge on the defense. And it's it's almost the same exact story here. Uh, Jason Light knocks it out of the park in the draft. Uh, I think uh, I, I heard uh, there was a redraft of, like, the Jameis Winston's uh, year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jason Light's uh, first four rounds or first four draft picks went in the first round in a redraft. <laughs> uh, you know, and they're, they're all starters. So... And his drafts have been good. Twenty with Vernon Hargraves, Noah Spence one's a little shaky, but the other, all the other ones have have really been home runs, and we're expecting it for be to be this one too. But yeah, free agents, it's it's like he doesn't, you know, it's like it, it's like they don't do the amount of research they do a free agent do in the draft. Like, oh yeah, it's kind of like you and me. Oh, I hear he's good. Yeah, he played for Seattle, right? Oh yeah, I recognize that name. Sign him. And then it's like, wait, wait, you know, it's, it's just not working out. But uh. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be resurgent years for both of us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's all going to, like I said, it's all going to hinge on that defense and that defensive line in particular. Pa- pass, pressure, pass, pressure, pass, pressure. Mm-hmm. You brought in uh, uh, Buckner from uh, the Cardinals, and he's our defensive line coach, and he is the polar opposite of Jay Hayes, who was like at the Bengals for 12 years and came down here. Uh, and, you know, uh, only 22 sacks last year, so he's gone. And it's a whole new attitude on the defensive line. So that's if if you if you want to know how the Bucks are playing before Week Four, Bears fans, look up the, their stats as far as the defensive line and Weeks One, Two, and Three, and that will tell you which way we're trending. Yeah, the the thing is, I'm not sure how how much of a, how much that's actually going to tell us, considering who you're playing in those first three weeks. But um, you know, I, it will it will tell a story one way or the. Uh, one way or the other, I'm sure. But uh, right. considering the opponents that you have, Philly and New Orleans and Pittsburgh, right off the bat uh, before Cream coming puffs, to Chicago, all of them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it should be, it'd be a snooze right through those games. No big deal. Before you come to Chicago to to wrap up the first quarter, it's uh, I'm interested to see how it's all going to go down. I'm, I'm I'm excited about this year, and I and I curse the Bears for doing this to me every off season and getting me giving me something to look forward to. And, uh, you know, the off season, and then, you know, Roquan Smith in the draft and uh, everything else. It's like I just can't wait for these guys to get started. So, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Well, Ren, I appreciate you coming back on. And um, were we supposed to have somebody else on this with us? I don't think so. No. no okay. No so. one of consequence. No, no, nobody important. But, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe if he finds us worthy enough, he'll show up for the next one when we preview week four at the end of September. And, uh, you know, then he can uh, grace us with his presence. That would be uh, nice. Yeah, that would be, you know, and we'll, we'll chat about the first three games that our teams have been through and what to look forward to in week number four. I look forward to having you guys back on. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, it's always fun, fun to talk to somebody who knows as much about their team as I know about mine. And uh, we can just bounce back and forth, especially since, you know, we're very close in the same plane. You know, we're yeah. both sort of pit of misery fans you know it's it's, uh, it's been a while since we've had success and uh yeah this was so a little shared brotherhood sure of nfl fandom 
And to tell you the truth, man, that's why I started doing it. I've been doing the show. This is my 12th season that I'm doing the show, but it's only my fourth where I'm actually having guests on the show. And it just became like when I would do these shows, these opponent previews, it would just be me you know, regurgitating whatever I learned or what I already knew about who we're playing. And then I decided, like, why don't I get somebody on the show who knows their team like I know mine and they can tell me about those bumps and bruises that they went through last year instead of whatever I can dig up on the Internet or in a preview magazine or something like right. that. And it's just been amazing for me. Like, I, I don't know why I didn't do it sooner uh, kind of thing as, as much as I've enjoyed it meeting people like you and 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 Brent and, and having you guys on the show. It's been a blast. Despite your allegiances, I love having you guys on the show. So it's always I second been cool. that. Yeah. And i and I look forward to having you guys back on. Where can uh where can we find you guys online? Where's uh where can we find the show? Uh, but Brent usually does this, so hope but I'll fumble it. Uh the best, <laughs> easiest way is to find us on Twitter at the Pewtercast. Uh, uh, Peter is a color, P-E-W-T-R-E, uh, Cass. Uh, you can find Brent uh, on Twitter as well, at Brent Allen Live. I am Ren Dax, R-E-N underscore D-A-X-T is my Twitter handle, and I'm always down to talk Buccaneers football. Uh, so if some Bear fans have some questions about the Buccaneers, you know, uh, coming up around, you know, uh, around September 4th, and you want some insight from the man in the know, uh, tweet somebody else, and if they don't respond, tweet me. There you go. There you go. Easy peasy, just like that. If, if the guy you want to talk to doesn't, you know, blows you off, then talk to Ren. He's very responsive. So, you know, he's got nothing else better to do. Like, ah, why not? I'll chat with a Bear fan. So, uh, so I appreciate you taking out the time, and uh, we'll, we'll see you guys at the, uh, at the end of that first quarter heading into week four. Thanks, Captain. All right. Ren Dax from the Pewtercast and his absentee host, Brent Allen. We'll see him next time. So there you have it in my talk with Ren Dax previewing the 2018 Bucks. Awesome conversation. What do you guys think about these longer episodes? Because the conversation alone was an hour and 20 minutes. I think once I'm done blabbing here, we're, we're going to top out at about a buck 40 uh, for the uh, for the show. So I was wondering how you guys felt about these longer episodes. Because usually I try to keep them about an hour or so. Maybe a little bit more for these previews because our conversations... Uh, you know, when you get passionate people talking about the things that they're passionate about, the conversation can uh, can take off on you. And obviously that's what happened here between Ren and I, where what 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 usually is is supposed to be a 30 to 45 minute conversation at the most ended up being around a buck 20. And granted, we weren't always talking about the bears and the bucks, but, you know, that's what happens. And um, I was just wondering how you guys felt about that kind of thing to um, see about what may what may come during the regular season and, and what have you. So uh, let me know how you guys feel about that. And um, anyway, <clears throat> as I've said a few times, awesome conversation with Ren. Looking forward to having them both back, he and Brent, uh, as we preview week four between the Bears uh, and the Bucks. And, uh, you know, interested to see where both teams will be at that point in the, in the season. Now, granted, it's still going to be early, it's going to be a little too early to talk about whether or not the Bucks are exercising the demons 
of 2017. A little too early to talk about whether or not the Bears are doing the same uh, under Matt Nagy and so on and so forth. But we'll have a good indication of who our teams are going to be as they close out the first quarter of the season together and both head in to a week five bye. So that's a very important game for both teams because you want to go into that bye week with a positive uh, outcome. You know, you want to have that that win to build off of going into the break and then entering the final, you know, for the Bears and the Pucks, the final phase of the season starts week six after that week five bye because you got to go 12 straight weeks after that with no breaks. So um, it's, it's going to be a very interesting game uh, nonetheless. You know, are the Bears living up to uh, expectations with this new offense, this new head coach? all these new personnel uh, out on the field and are the Bucks fixing what broke in, in 2017 uh, to be the team they were supposed to be last year. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how it all unfolds. So up next, we have the AFC East. We start with the New York Jets, or at least I hope so. Um, I've been reaching out. I've gotten responses from the Dolphins, the Patriots, and the Bills. I've got all those set. Not a peep out of the folks from the New York Jets. So we might have to skip the Jets and come back to them later. We might have to go out of order as opposed to my worst to first because I haven't heard anything from anyone from the Jets. So, uh, you know, from the Jets blogs and podcasts that I've been reaching out to. Not a word out of anyone, but I've got things set up next week for the Dolphins. And then the following week, I got interviews set up with people from the Bills and the Patriots. So we're all good to go. We just need the Jets to get off their ass and get back in touch with Larry D so we can move things along here. So uh, I'll keep you guys posted, hoping to hear from somebody and get it get it uh, cranked out maybe Tuesday or so, get the show up by Wednesday, and then I'm talking to the Dolphins guy on Thursday. So pretty much the same schedule, get the show probably out on Friday, depending on if and when I talk to somebody uh, from the Jets. If I don't hear from anybody by the Jets uh, tomorrow on Monday, I'm going to see if my uh, Dolphins guy can talk to me on Tuesday so I can get that one out and then, you know, kind of get things moving along. So it's like I've been spacing the shows out a little bit to give them a few days to breathe before the next one comes out. But I don't want to go a week between shows just because I can't get anybody on for you. So um, the plan is that it's going to be the Jets, but I haven't heard from anybody uh, from any of the places that I've been reaching out to thus far. But like I said, I have heard back from the uh, from the Giants, or the Giants, the uh, the Patriots, the Bills, and the Dolphins. So the rest of the AFC East is covered. And as I look at my email now, still nothing from any of my New York Jet contacts. So we'll have to uh, figure something out there. So anyway, that is uh, that is the plan. So keep your ears and your eyes peeled for when the uh, the first AFC East preview show comes out. It will be next week, whether it's the Jets or the Dolphins, fate will decide. But until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.